Who hates getting taken advantage of? Right? Like, is there anyone in here that, like, when you go out and <laughs> there's a sale on something and you think you got a good deal and you found out you didn't? Yeah. Does that bother anybody? You're like, oh, man. <laughs> I found out, uh, you know, through life and personality tests and stuff that, man, I have, I have this thing of, man, I don't want to be taken advantage of. You know, like, that's a deep problem. God's had to work a lot of that angles in my thinking about that, but man, I just don't want to be, you know, taken advantage of, right? I want to be, I want to have the, the best deal. I don't want to, I want to, you know, know, and I, I investigate. And sometimes that produces some bad things in us. Sometimes it's good stuff that, you know, fear can be good if it's fear not to touch a hot oven, right? But there's other fears that aren't good. So we got to discern that, but I don't want to get outwitted. Come on, any game, game people out here, board games, Competition, come on, no, no competitive people here, right? Competitive people, you, don't, you just don't want to get out, you know, whether it's chess or whether it's, you know, certain card games or whether it's a sporting thing. There's, there's you know, in it, there's power, there's, you know, thinking, there, you know, there's philosophy. And, man, you just don't want someone to get the upper hand, you know? I remember when I was, this random story, but I was going through my, my divorce and... Uh, I was so worried about getting taken advantage of, because you know, divorce gets ugly, right? And I remember this, the fear of losing my kids and not seeing them and, and all that. You know, and I remember thinking, I wanted to start a private detective company and have all the gadgets that, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Person of Interest. There's a show where they, it's all, you know, anyway, but it's all the gadgets of technology of spying and all the government spies on us, you know, but, but there's that innate thing in us where we, we don't want to be not in the know, right? <clears throat> but today I want to talk about um, God's plan for us not getting outwitted, because when you're with God, right, you have this great advantage, a guy, a guy that's omniscient. I mean, you want him on your team, right? Who knows the beginning from the end? What? Who's paid the price? Who's given you everything under him and through him and through Christ? Wow. I mean, that's a guy you'd want on your side. So before we get into that, though, let's review really quick. I'm going to make my review one of the quickest in the world because uh, I want to get into the bait. But number one there, I want to look, what have we learned so far? Before we get, talk about not getting outwitted, I want to talk about our, our four keys that we've been through. Number, uh, letter A, we're, we are not our what? Yes, we're not our dysfunctional behavior. Remember, we're declaring war for our hearts. We're declaring war for what God's called us to be, and we're fighting against what the world's telling us we are called to be. Because there is a battle to determine who you are. Your identity, your, your calling, your destiny is all a warfare because the enemy wants to take over and use you for his kingdom. God wants to take over you and use them for his kingdom. So there's this battle because we are the determining factor of which kingdom will win in this epic battle. But the, what, what we learn is that we are not our dysfunctional behavior and that some of us have allowed uh, the, the weird things that we do or the way we think about things that are not godly, we've taken them on as us. We've identified with the enemy and saying, this thinking pattern is just me, and we've settled that. And, and in other words, we've allowed misthinking to be part of our life and say, yeah, that's how I think, that's me, I can't do anything about it. But we're declaring war, and the fact that we declare war is saying, we don't have to think that way anymore. 
You don't have to be that dysfunctional behavior. You can overcome anything. When Jesus says, ask me anything and I'll help you do it, when he says, say to that mountain, be removed and cast a sea, when he says, ask anything in my name, if you believe it in your heart, you'll get it, he's talking about your heart. You can have all of it or none of it. It's up to you. So it's up to us to make that distinction so we are not our dysfunctional behavior. Now, uh, letter B was, uh, we talked about guarding our what? Our hearts. Yeah, we did a whole thing on our hearts. We talked about our hearts for several weeks. The heart is so important to guard our hearts, to <clears throat> make sure that we tend the garden, that our heart is soil, and that every day, not just on Sundays, things get planted, but you can plant all kinds of seeds, good and bad, in your heart throughout the whole week. You must manage that. You are responsible for it. What a man sows, he will also reap. What are you sowing on Monday nights? What are you sowing on Wednesday afternoons? What are you sowing on Friday nights? That's all going to be in your heart, and you have to guard that. You have to manage that, and you have to make tough choices at times to maybe get rid of some seed and maybe not be in places or in the company of people that will bring you down to a place of planting bad seeds. So guard your heart. See, we looked at, um, we looked at this. It's a, it's a process, not a, an event, right? We talked about little by little. Remember, we talked about God's going to not give you the whole land to take all in one day. He's going to give you one assignment, as we talked about taking on each assignment little by little. But it's important to know that as you're in this warfare and as you're fighting the good fight of faith, that it's not a one-time event. And don't get caught up in a one-battle event because you can get distracted. And when you lose one little battle, you think, oh, man, I'm just a worthless. I might as well just forget the whole thing. No, 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 no. Get, pick yourself back up. Repent. Get in alignment with God and go forward, man. Don't spend time agonizing over mess-ups, man. Get, get back up and go fight because it's little by little and God wants fighters. All the people we're seeing in the Old Testament as we're reading through it, man, they make mistakes, they mess up, but King David was the one that made mistakes, but he got back up and kept fighting and became a man after God's heart. So it's, it's not about how many times you fall, it's about how many times you get back up. A letter D, the biggest trauma you'll face is what? Unforgiveness, right? That's the biggest trauma we're facing as Christians, as, as uh, people that are getting healed and being transformed, and people that come into the church that we have friendship and relationship with. Uh, un, the spirit of unforgiveness towards ourself, towards others, and God are going to be the areas that we're going to have to be good in so that we can help others get out of that traumatic. It's a traumatic event. Man, I'm telling you, parents and we. we People screw up other people so bad by the things they speak over their life. Uh, uh, we could, I'm sure we could go in this room and talk about what our parents spoke over us. You know, some of the things they've said. I've heard stories, being a pastor, that I just am blown away. I think I've, I've heard so much, and then I hear something new, and I think I've heard it all, and I think I hear it, and I go, oh my gosh, another crazy way uh, someone destroyed someone's life. Um, and how could you do that to your own kid, right? But the biggest trauma is how do we deal with that? How do we get to a place where we can release the right of vengeance, right? So that God can be judged and we cannot. Remember, we talked a lot in this area about unforgiveness, about not playing God. Because when we hold on to, uh, to unforgiveness, we hold on to the right to execute judgment on that person, Right, And so we have to bring that back and say, no, God, that's yours. I release that to you. We talked about praying for the person, right? And so I want to continue on that uh, 
attitude or that concept of unforgiveness because I want to talk about a few things today about what Jesus and how he viewed this um, spirit of unforgiveness, how he saw it. And we talked about not getting outwitted. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, 8. And we've talked about this verse before. If you've been with me since we've been here, I've used this verse several times because it is a... um, it's a key verse in understanding how, um, how we fight spiritual warfare. And in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, it says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. But if we go before that, 2 Corinthians 2, 8 says this, So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Paul talking about someone that had messed up in the church Verse 9, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive indeed. What I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. So the concept of being outwitted by Satan or being ignorant of his plans or schemes, right, it has to do directly with this concept of forgiving. So basically, the word declares that if we hold on to unforgiveness and we hold on to offense, we are being outwitted by the enemy and we are playing right into his plans and schemes. Are you with me? So this, Paul talks about being outwitted and I know, you know, I, I don't like to be outwitted and I, I thought of a, a, a movie clip I want to, I'm going to show you right now. If you dim the lights, uh, Chris, and play that movie um, clip about being outwitted. This is a good insight for us today. All right. If you're not a Princess Bride fan, I apologize, but the battle of wits begun. You know, you ever find, hit the lights, Chris? Chris is back there daydreaming. I can't even see him. Chris! Uh, You ever feel like sometimes you get that way where you're trying to find out you know, I know spiritually we, we try and battle and we're like, wait, if I do this, then this will happen. And then I do this, but this will happen. And you know what's great about God is because he's all knowing, we don't ever have to get outwitted. Because God gives us a clear path that if we trust him in his word, no matter what we see or know, that we'll always end up on top. We'll always end up victorious in him because his word never returns void. It's always true. And so we don't have to ever be afraid about being outwitted, especially from the enemy who tries to make unforgiveness so subtle and so uh, different than it really is so that we get baited into going, I have to be mad. I have to be angry um, at that person because what they did is inexcusable. What they did is, is, is so evil that I, I, can't not, I can't not unforgive them. I have to keep unforgiveness towards them. You know, we need to be a people that just simply forgive. We need to be a people of forgiveness. We have to choose that we are going to be a people that are going to walk by faith, trusting God's word beyond what we feel, beyond what we see, if we're going to overcome this, uh, the spirit of an offense. You know, Psalms 34, 14 says this, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. We have to be a people in a heart that says, I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to seek it out and pursue it. Not just seek it, but intensely 
passionately going after it and all its... Wow. What's going on here? I'm getting a download. The Holy Spirit's empowering me, hopefully. We have, to, we have to be a people that is pursuing peace because if we're not, we're going to be subtle and we're going to be expected to go, well, I do what God says, but in this case, it's different. This person really did something bad and, and I, I can't totally forgive them because of what the circumstances are. Are you with me? But in, So we have to be more of a people that say, no, no matter what the circumstances is, I'm following God because I'm not going to be deceived. The enemy is trying to lure you into that kind of conversation with the, with the guy so that you'll get so confused that you'll be like, okay, I'm gonna, I think I know what I'm going to do and you do it and it's wrong. But God wants us to trust his word above all else. Colossians 3.13 says this, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. God's calling us to forgive. A great quote here by Joel Osteen, he says, forgiveness is a choice, but not an option. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's not an option. You know, we have the choice whether we get to forgive or not, but in a sense, God has said it's not optional for you to make that choice, but in a sense, we do have to choose to forgive. It's your choice, and I like what Martin Luther said also. He said, Martin Luther said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. I mean, coming from him, that's quite a thing. It's not an occasional act. It's not something we do here and there, but it's an ongoing attitude that just becomes part of you. I learned a long time ago as a youth pastor when I was deeply offended by a senior pastor that was over me and had a rough go at it. I learned through that situation that I not only had to forgive this guy the offense that I had had in my heart towards him, but I had to, from that day on, choose to be a forgiving person. I had to choose because if I took it case by case, who knows what would happen? If I took on each offense as case, because you're going to be offended. And if you haven't already been offended since you've been at this church, just wait. You'll get offended by somebody, if not me. And so, but if we are people, and if we go into the next season, church, as a people that are going to be Christ-like in the fact that we are a forgiving people, and that doesn't mean you allow people to walk on you. That doesn't mean that what people do are evil or or, or bad is accepted now. No, 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 no. It's the perception that we're going to follow Christ and we're going to be a forgiving people. We're not going to let offense rule us. We're not going to let what other people do rule over us and control us. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. We have to choose to follow God. That's how we make sure that we are not outwitted, right? That we're not taken advantage of by the enemy because he will lure you in to thinking that it's okay for this special occasion. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 21, you can write, turn that in your Bibles if you want to write that down. It's a familiar story in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And he starts talking off, this is right after the Beatitudes and Jesus is preaching on the Beatitudes and he gets into specific things about uh, that culture and he's talking about in verse 21 about murder. And I want to read some of that. So starting in Matthew 5, 21, it says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother 
will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the, the hell uh, to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift, now check this out. So he's talking about anger, right? And he's and, and in that is implied the the premise of a of, of an offense. Someone's made you mad. Someone said something or did something that made you angry, <coughs> hurt your feelings, did something evil to you. And he goes right into verse 23, So, and he, he goes in right into this church setting. Verse 23 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and let's just stop there. Because in a church setting in the Old Testament, what did they do for their act of worship? Sacrifice. They brought something, right? In fact, the Old Testament, one of the rules was, you better not show up empty-handed. You don't come to the temple of God with nothing. You come with something. We could preach on that for a while. How many of us show up wanting to get instead of bringing something to give away and bless someone else? So, but he goes right into this concept of church. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, wait a minute. It didn't say if you have a gift there and you remember you have an offense towards someone. It says if you're at church... And you're about to give your gift, and so we could say today, if you're here today and you're getting ready to worship, or you're getting ready to receive the word, or whatever God's doing, and whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in church, and all of a sudden you remember that someone else has an offense at you, it says to go, now, does that mean if you have an offense, it doesn't apply? No, it's obviously if you have an offense too, but it's taking it another step further, because a lot of people think, well, I'm not mad. So I can have this offense that's between me and this other person go because I'm good. And I believe that the Bible's clear on saying if you have an offense with someone, whether it's originated from you or them, does not matter. If there's a broken relationship and you know about it, it is your obligation as a believer, as a God seeker, right? Psalm says we are to pursue, seek, and pursue peace reconciliation, right? So if we know that there is a broken relationship and we leave it undone because we think, oh, it's not our responsibility. I'm not the one that did anything. I'm not, but you're, yet you're offended. The Bible's clear that we need to go make that right. In fact, Jesus is going to the point that's saying, if you're in church, it's better for you to get up and walk out and go find that person and make amends than it is for you to sit and try and offer your gift. He says in verse 23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar there and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Wow. I mean, just think of that, church. If we were truly to show up to this building right now and every person in this room doesn't have anybody that has a broken relationship that you have not tried to pursue peace with and, and reconnect. I mean, that's more important to God than you being here right now. And it also tells me that some of us that come to church that still have that offense with someone are not going to get anything out of church. Thus, we have many people showing up to church not participating in worship. They're sitting there with a, a, a lowly look on their face, yada, yada, and we think, oh, 
well, I got to do something more. Let's have Chris jump up and down more and scream louder. Let's have the pastor do this. Let's do a taco truck. Let's do all this stuff. We got to make these people engage. And be, well, no, that, nothing, none of that does anything when your heart's not right and you have an offense against someone and you don't want to reconcile because you have your reasons. Jesus says, you're not going to get anything out of worship. He says, it's better just to not even be in church then. Whoa. Jesus says, go fix it, be reconciled, then come back so you can have do what's right in the body. You're not going to get what God wants you to get out of church fellowship meetings if you have an offense in your heart. Even if you know someone else has an offense with you and you have not done what God has told you to do to make that right. I am actually in that process right now. I had a conversation, they'll all remain nameless, of course, and it's not here, it's, it's uh, uh, out of this group. Um, I found out that someone had an offense against me, and they thought I did something that wasn't right. And so my first inclination, and I think maybe yours too, is to go, well, if you have something wrong with, you don't like something, come talk to me. You know, like, I'm not going to waste my time, right? But we get that attitude of like, they should come to me. They're the ones that got the problem, right? And so the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, so what does Scripture say? <laughs> you read the Bible lately, Doug? Huh? Yeah, in fact, I read it this morning, darn it. So, you know, and the Holy Spirit, he's, he's so fun. If you don't, if, man, you should be talking to the Holy Spirit every day. He is the best. He's like, hey, you know, you know that this offense thing means both ways, right? Like, we don't have to have this conversation again, do we? No, no. So he's like, why don't you be the bigger man, and you call him up, you set up a meeting, and you just work it out. Good idea, God. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Sometimes it's hard when we, we like, we want to obey God's word, but... And we want to tell other people to do what God says, but man, when someone really hurts us or has an offense against us, it's sometimes hard to really follow that through. But there's always a reward on the end. I mean, just look at the reward in Matthew 5. The reward is, is that now you can present your gift to God with a pure and open heart and then receive from God too. As you give to him, he gives back. Come seek him, he'll seek you. There's a partnership that goes on there. In fact, I believe we need to have a pledge for the crew in fact, I think going into this next season, our church needs to have a pledge that we will abide by and we'll agree on to say that we're not going to allow division, anger, or any offense get in between us because I think the way the enemy could outwit us is, you see, the, 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 God has us at a certain place in our church. And he has had some people leave. He's, you know, we're all here. Who's here? And and this is reality. This is this right here is pretty much, you know, minus a few. But we're here at a special place, and so we're, we are moving forward, and we're going to be moving forward. And so as we move forward, the way the enemy could outwit us is if he can get people to start being offended. If he can break up relationships in here, even in our small group, then he can keep us from moving to what we need to do. Just like uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, if you have... If you have an ought with someone, man, you better 
drop your gift and go because it's no sense in moving forward in worship and your relationship with God if you have an offense. In the same way as a whole church, if we're going to have backbiting and offended people within the church, we as a church will never walk into our destiny. And so we as a whole group or a team will be outwitted by our opponent if we don't manage and make sure that we never come to church offended, that we don't let the sun go down on our anger, that we deal with stuff right away. Amen? And we see that in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is a great uh, scripture that tells us how we should handle these situations. And I think we should do a pledge. I think we should do a pledge that matches Matthew 18. And in verse 15, it reads this. If your brother sins against you, and of course we know brother means, you know, both girls and guys, don't be offended. If your uh, person, no, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him and the rest of the church. No. Oh, it didn't say that? Okay. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him and your wife alone. If he listens, no? Well, someone stop me. Okay. Let's try it again. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. Oh, alone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Alone. Okay, alone. That's a good point. So alone. So if someone offends you, your job is to go to that person, you and them alone. That means you are not allowed. Check this out. If someone offends you, you shouldn't even be talking to your spouse about the offense until you go talk to that person first. Because you know what you're doing? When you're offended, you're trying to have someone else take on your offense too. And when you talk to your spouse about it, it's very hard for spouses not to take up an offense for their husband or wife with someone else when they're attacking their own husband, right? And I'm telling you, it, it would, it'll make your marriage healthy if your spouse goes, so is that, and you say, honey, I love you. But if you're, you're, you sound offended, and I'm with you, and I love you, but you need to go talk to them first. Because what happens is not only am I going to be tempted to take on the offense towards a person, they're going to start telling me stuff, and then I'm going to start making judgments in my head, and I'm going to start creating an offense in my own life towards a person that my wife's offended. Because it's going to sound real and justified. Are you with me? So that's a marriage tip right there. Don't, don't allow that in your marriage. It's not healthy. It doesn't help. You can talk about it after the fact, but make sure you go, you know, are you offended? Yes, he did the, hey, well, let's stop. You're offended, right? He hurt you. Yes, he did. And, you know, obviously make sure nothing, you know, bad. But if it's a, a, an offense that's, you know, a normal offense, go to that person, talk to them. You owe it to them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Jesus says this. He doesn't, Jesus didn't write Matthew 18 just so he needed space to fill. Right? This is a key element in keeping us in unity is if we start going to several people, in fact, it can get worse real quick. Oh, hey, mom, you know, man, this guy at church, man, he really just did me wrong. And yeah, okay, talk to you later. Oh, and then you're at the girls' meeting or whatever and you're talking to someone else. Oh, yeah, so and so, I'm just so. And then that turns into gossip. Then it turns into slander. Then it turns into hate and anger. And you, it just spreads like a disease. That's why Jesus said, go between you and him alone. Fix it out because it's highly likely <laughs> that there's been miscommunication. It's highly likely that there's been misunderstanding and misinterpretations of what really was said or happened. And you need to make sure that you go to that person, get it all cleared up. Then and only then, if it's not cleared up after that, you can bring in another believer and say, take someone else with you and let's try and work this out with us. We don't want this to spread. 
Who wants a disease to spread? Come on. We should be treating gossip in the same way we treat a disease as someone is infected and came in here and wanted to run towards you and would you go, oh, I'm going to hug you in Jesus' name. No, you'd be like, girlfriend, we need to pray for you. You know, you would back up because don't, we don't want that to spread. And we need to treat that as a disease, something that will harm the body if it's not contained and dealt with. Amen? Amen. So I really don't have to go through the rest of the scripture, but man, that's a great scripture to read through. The process is simple. Go between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to them, tell it to the church. So there's a, there's a, a model way for us to deal with issues in our church. So if we can make a pledge for this, guys, then this will be a way that we will not get outwitted by the enemy. Because I tell you what, if, we don't, if we're not good at this, Whatever we try and do, no matter how noble, no matter how godly, no matter how prophetic, no matter if the God appeared and spoke to us and wrote us something in the sky and sent us a new thing and said, hey, this is what I want the rivers to do, and we just knew it was God, it still won't work if we're going to ha- allow this to happen in our church, if we hold offense. Are you, amen? Okay. So we're in agreement. So number one, some pledges I want you to think about and pray about because I want us to commit to this as a group. I'm going to commit to it already. Uh, I will, I promise, or I will go to my brother first. So when there's an offense, when there's something wrong, or I misunderstand, or my feelings are hurt, or I, someone said something to me that messed me up or caused me to anger, whatever, I will go to my brother first. First, him alone. You can write that aside. Alone, just the two of you, Right? And in that same thought, number two, I will not talk to several others first. I will not talk to anybody else first. I'll go to that promise. I'm going to make a pledge to you that if you offend me, I'm going to not talk to Jen about it. I'm not going to talk to my counsel or Craig or anybody in here or outside of here. If I'm offended and Mikey makes me mad because he wears another Star Wars shirt to church, and that offends me, which it never would because I love Star Wars. I'm going to go to Mikey and say, hey, Mikey, I'm really offended at your Star Wars shirts. I just don't think Darth Vader is a good role model for church or whatever. So I'm going to go to him and I'm going to talk it out. And I use the light stuff because it's funny. But guys, this is a very, I used a funny clip on a movie, but this is a very serious thing. This can turn into very ugly stuff that we don't want. And so no matter what that is, make sure you go. Make sure we're pledging this to each other. Number three. Um, the next thing, the next step is that I will listen with an open and a humble heart. So no matter what role you're in, no matter whether someone's coming to you or you're going to someone, that you will choose, no matter what side you think you're on, that you're going to listen to that other person, tell their side or their, 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 their story with an open and a humble heart, knowing that we can all misinterpret, we don't know what the other person's walked in, we haven't walked in their shoes. So we have to make that pledge. Number four, in conjunction with number three, I will not close my heart, but I I choose to reconcile. I will not close my heart. Guys, that's the worst thing. When you get offended, you just cramp up your heart. You tie it with a string. You put locks on it. No one's ever getting in here. You offended me. I'm not letting anyone in. 
That is not God's plan for your life. God's plan for you is reconciliation. It's bringing two opposite things back together. He reconciled, his, uh, his son reconciled you back to the Father, right? We were dead in our sins and our trespasses, but we have been made alive through Christ. He's reconciled. That's the whole gospel is reconciling what is lost. We have to be people of reconciliation. We have to be people that pursue that and want that and desire that. Amen? So in doing this, this pledge, and I'm not going to, you know, we're not signing it, but I just, you know, we got to have an agreement here because if I hear of you and you're talking to other people, you come to me and say, ah, you know, D's really blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say, have you talked to D yet? And if you say no, I'm going to say, why are you talking to me? Because you're my pastor. And I need, I, need, I need help and really, you know, no, you don't. Here's my help. Stop talking to me. Talk to her. I don't want to hear your misinterpretation of D. Because you probably got it wrong. Right? She may have had a bad day. You may have had a bad day. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Go to D and say, D, did you really mean to punch me in the nose like that? <laughs> right? I mean, so, no, shh. I, there's no excuse. And pastors are the worst. Oh, I'm spiritual advisor, so I, you know, I'm going to talk about y- y'all. No. If you have an offense, or if you know someone has offense, hey, we've all blown it. We've all, set, we've all talked about it. Let's just, let's just make that clear. We've all messed up in this area. But we need to get better and be comfortable with saying, no, I, I love you too much to allow you to talk to me about so-and-so. I love you and I love them. And it's so important. Why would you want to let the, the enemy outwit us? Do you want our church to go down? Because when you allow gossip of any sort and you don't work out offenses, you're allowing cancer in our, in our church. Right? So if we really do love each other, Let's make that agreement that, hey, if I'm offended, I'm going to go to the person and work it out, be open and humble, and, and I'm going to choose to be a reconciler. So in this process, I want you to know your brain. I want you to be familiar with how your brain works. <laughs> how your brain works. So in the, in a, uh, the book, I Declare War, um, uh, I was going to read you a whole section, but it might take too long. But the, he talks about your brain and how it works. He is actually quoting a doctor Uh, that he was reading her work and the doctor talked about the brain its ability and design to reward you right with dopamine you know what dopamine is a, a, a a drug that's put in through the hypothalamus gland that secretes into your system it's the you know flight or fight or flight you know there's when you're nervous or you get scared and you feel that tingling in your oh you know there's chemicals that that are working in your body so dopamine is a a pleasure drug that makes you feel good about yourself right so your body the doctor said releases dopamine when you draw conclusions to a story the problem with that, so when you're working out stuff in your brain, you ever get that and you're trying to work something out and you're like, I can't, and then all of a sudden, aha, you figured it out and you kind of, you get that, oh, there's like that peace and you feel, I figured it out. You ever forget someone's name or, you know, something like that and you're like, what's their name or what's the name of that, you know, food we're eating or whatever and you're like, and you're thinking, oh, and your brain can't do it and all of a sudden, it come, oh yeah, taco salad or whatever, you know. And you get that feeling. Well, in the same manner, our brains are designed 
to bring completion to those things that are unknown yet. So we want to make the story end. We want a conclusion. And so your brain will give you dopamine when you bring a conclusion to a, a problem. The, the issue with that is that your brain doesn't determine whether or not it's accurate information or not. So when someone offends you and you... You finish the story in your brain on how you think they did not talking to them. You just think you know everything. So you, oh, yeah, the, yeah, D said this to me, and I just know she doesn't like me anyway. And the other day I saw her, you know, doing this and blah, blah, blah. You know, and so you start working all this story in your mind, and you go, yep, D doesn't like me. And then the dopamine's released. Oh, I'm right. So you feel good about yourself. I've drawn conclusion to this problem. And yet the whole time you think you're in the right, you have totally inaccurate information. Do you see the destruction that starts to happen? But the brain works this way, so you've got to understand that your brain is going to want to bring conclusions no matter whether, the, whether it's accurate information or not. And so in these stories, that's why it's so important that if I have that, I don't want to, the way I bring conclusion or that is I go to the person and talk to them. Hey, tell me what you were thinking when you said this. It really frustrated me, hurt my feelings, but I, I, I know you, and I know you wouldn't purposely do that. I would hope not, but wh why did you say that, or what was going through your mind? And they went, oh my gosh, I said it that way? Well, I am so sorry. Like, I did not mean it to come across. I was trying to say this, but this came out, and will you forgive me? Oh, yeah, totally. And, and there could be reconciliation, right? And then that's, the, that's what you want to reinforce. The brain wants to reinforce with that dopamine. You want to reinforce the truth of the conclusion, not just the conclusion. Are you with me? Does that help anybody? This should really help you, especially in relationships like marriage. Uh, marriage, there can be a lot of misunderstandings, and we, we prejudge our spouses and our close friends all the time, and it can be incorrect, and so we can go on for weeks judging and completing stories in our brain incorrectly and having a totally warped view of the person we know because we think they're doing that. A great example, uh, me and my wife were talking about this when I read it, and I was like, hey, this is, look at this, and we started talking about it. And I said, it's so funny because my, my wife's a planner, right? She's a teacher. She likes to plan. She's very thorough. She has checklists and stuff. And, you know, I'm just not the checklist guy, right? So, so she'll, she, when we leave and go somewhere, she'll say, you know, hey, the door's closed, you know, da, 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 all this stuff because, you know, the dogs will swallow stuff and eat remotes and batteries and junk like that. So you got to make sure everything's away. But I'm, you know, so, hey, did you check the doors? So in my brain, I'm going, what am I, like two? Of course I closed the doors, but do I always know? So I, I've learned to correct that. But in my brain, I'm completing the story for, for my wife by saying, man, she must think I'm a real idiot. And that's the furthest thing from my wife's mind. But see, if I, don't, if I complete that, oh, yeah, she's just thinking she's, and I make all these judgments, and I don't clarify that with her, I get misunderstandings, and that can grow in your marriage and just become, because you're completing stories on your spouse and your friends all the time. Just make sure they're accurate and be open and talk about that. And here's a way I put it in your notes of how you can help that to be accurate. It says this, the story I'm writing in my head, this, and this isn't a fill in the blank, this is a you can fill in the blank all the time in different scenarios. So the blank's there for, for purposes of you to use. The story I'm writing in my head is that you did whatever because you blah. So if that's correct, can you help clear it up for me? 
right? So if you think, so I'm, I, I can say this about my wife. I'm, in, I'm writing a story, honey, in my head that you told me to close the doors because you know I always forget and I can't figure it out. And you think I'm a little kid. If that's true, help me clear it up. And she'll say, no, Doug, I don't think you're a little kid, except right now you're acting like a little kid. But no, I don't think you're a kid. I just have, that's how I work. I have checklists and I want to make sure the dogs are safe and I just want to double check. That makes me feel better when I double check. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, sorry, you're right, yeah. I should know that, right? That's a small example. But these, so if you ask yourself, the story I'm writing in my head is that you're saying this because you think this about me. And if you, if you verbalize that to your spouse or friend or whatever family member, then, then you say, hey, is that true? Or did I get my story right? Or can you, can you clarify it for me? Oh, no, I didn't mean that at all. Here's what I, oh, why did you do this? Oh, because I just, you know, and, th- and then you can grow from that and become closer. Are you with me? So it's a great way to know your brain. And church, you know, if we want to move on from where we're at today to the next phase, we've got to get this down. And I, and I hope this helped you understand a little bit about uh, forgiveness about making sure that we commit to uh, loving each other enough if we're offended in any way to go to that person and work it out. Amen? C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Are you with me? I think some, one of the biggest problems with forgiveness is that we judge what the worst sin And if someone did something to us that's worse than others, and we rate everything in that. But God views sin as sin, and we have to understand that he forgave that unexcusable sin in us. So we have to look at our brother, no no matter what the rating of the sin is, we've been forgiven stuff that was inexcusable to God. The wages of sin is death. And so we have to have that same mindset for others in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we thank you, God, for giving us this opportunity to just talk about family business and how we treat each other. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just affirm in our hearts the pledges that we are making in our hearts to really go to each other one-on-one, to keep an open and a humble heart, to be people of reconciliation, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you will take this um, teaching from your word Put it deep in our hearts and help us, to, um, help us to carry this out. Lord, help us not to be hearers only but doers of the word. Help us to put this into practice in our homes, with our family, with our spouses, with our, with our close friends, Lord. And help us to be people that are people of reconciliation. Help us to be people that have the heartbeat of God so that we want people to be reconciled. Because if we can't be reconciled to one another as believers, how do we expect the world to come to know you? So God, help us in this. We need it. Holy Spirit, would you show us people in our life uh, this week, Lord, even right now, would you show us anyone in our life that we need to talk to and be reconciled, that we have held an offense. Maybe we've held an offense for our spouse or for our friend. Maybe we're angry at someone that's, that's uh, not getting along with one of our friends and we've had this disdained, we've already completed the story on that person in our brain and not really truly knowing the person's heart. Would you convict our hearts so that we could be reconciled and that we could be a bright shining light on a hill 
that we could stand out and be distinctly different, Lord. Because if we as a church are different on how we treat one another and how we forgive and release and trust you, God, what a great witness that could be. That could lead people to know you, God, just from us being like that without ever really preaching the gospel. Lord, we could preach the gospel by being obedient to your word. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful light to show people how to live. Lord, help us, Lord, because we know that you're going to start with us first. Lord, you're going to start in each of our own hearts and making sure that there is no offense and there's no one else that has an offense with us that we haven't tried to reconcile. Because, Lord, you start in the house of the Lord first, then you go out. So, God, help us to see that. Convict our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.